Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. I'm here with Agatha Krajewski, Director of Product at Shopify. Agatha has over a decade of experience in the product world with a background in software development. At Shopify, she leads the product team for the online store as well as Shopify's new email marketing platform. And I'm super excited that she's here with us today. Agatha, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Great. So uh, let's dive in with my first question, which is uh, the same for all of our guests. We just want to know what got you started on a career in tech and a career in product. Was there anything that particularly inspired you down this path when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I would say my parents are both uh, electrical engineers and they were inside of the tech industry, but they were really on the engineering front dealing with uh, microservices or semiconductors. So very much on the hardware front. I knew I didn't want to go into uh, the engineering front into computer hardware, but technology was always something that was present inside of my family, my, my, uh, my exposure as I was growing up. That said, I actually was really interested in going into architecture as a child, and I, I focused on that so much growing up. And it was just at that last point when I was applying for colleges that I decided, well, why don't I try out business as well as architecture? And it was more of like a gut instinct to decide to go into business. Uh, so, so technology and the idea of going into information systems wasn't really a thing I thought about when I went first into college. But when I, when I looked at my university and the other uh, people that were inside of my business program, finance, accounting, marketing were just enormous classes with a lot of people moving into that space. And I've tended to always be the person who goes into kind of the path less traveled. And I looked at the information management systems course, there was eight of us that were considering going into that particular major. I thought, okay, well, that, that's perfect for me. And as I learned a little bit more about management information systems, I kind of came to this conclusion that it's essentially the architecture of systems. So it kind of created that bridge for me and made me realize that it's really interesting and it hits a lot of the, the interest points I had. I, that was basically my path into technology and from there, everything else just laid itself out after I went through the kinds of opportunities I got in terms of my career. That's so cool how like all of the all of the things that we're interested in sort of connect in weird ways and then we end up in product. Uh, like I love it when that happens. Uh, so let's talk about your role now. So your current job title is director of product. Can you kind of unpack for us what that means? Like maybe what your day to day is like? Yeah, sure. It's hard to talk about a day to day because I feel like every day and every week is completely <laughs> different. But I think that's also part of the role. Um, so in terms of my day-to-day -day and my responsibilities, I lead the online store for Shopify. That's basically the most mature and core product. When you think about our company, you think about the Shopify store, the merchant experience of setting up in your online store, as well as the buyer experience of interacting with it. Uh, beyond that, it's the email marketing product and that new product. So my day-to-day -day really looks at how we've broken down the online store and email marketing into kind of different subgroups. And I've got a product leadership team that's split between those different pillars. Depending on the area and the investments we're doing between those different key initiatives within the product organization and between my group, uh, I might be more in a strategic advisory role, helping to make sure that the roadmap we're building out two years out is aligned with the long-term growth and opportunity that we see within the market for that area. So it's more of a strategic advisory guidance kind of growth. 
In other areas, we're talking about major infrastructure rebuilds of core components that impact the million plus merchants that are on, on the platform. So there I might get into a much deeper kind of understanding and not just strategic direction of that rebuild, but really getting into the details of what is it that we're building? How do we scope up the MVP? Uh, what do we need to define? Who do we need to work with across Shopify? Because nothing, I think in most companies, nothing is done in a singular lens of one particular team. There's, uh, as, as your company grows, there's interdependencies across all these different teams. So aligning your stakeholders, making sure that everybody's aligned with the vision of what you're building, but then you're also making the right technical decisions and compromises on whatever your first MVP is. So I might be going into a meeting where we're talking about resource and headcount planning like a year out as part of our investment portfolio for the big things we want to focus on. And then I might be going into a very tactical conversation about use cases and um, analyzing to say, is this something that should be within the first MVP scope or not? Um, beyond that, I would say, aside from the day-to-day -day product work, most of my time is then spent aligning with other product leaders or um, leadership uh, individuals across Shopify to make sure that we're all working on a cohesive Shopify strategy and that we're all talking apples to apples. So I'm not working on something in silo and somebody else is working in silo. The bridging gaps and actually referencing different people to other parts of the organization when they're talking about a particular feature that they're building to connect the dots so that everybody's working towards one overall goal and we're not duplicating efforts towards that vision. So when, when it comes with getting uh, alignment across all of these different teams, do you have any like advice for how people can do that? Or do you have any like secret tactics that you use to kind of, you know, make those connections happen? Yeah, I mean, first is you've got to have relationships. I mean, it's so much easier to have a, a frank and serious conversation about priorities if you actually have some sort of a relationship with that person. I mean, that's a really even just like a, a video call, especially in this world now, yeah. uh, check in so that you, you have a face behind the voice or behind the name that you're messaging. Uh, and just gut check alignments with different people. So checking in and seeing how your teams can help those teams align with their objectives always gives you a big advantage for when you as a team need help from that other group. Beyond that, having synthesized, I, I'm a huge um, proponent of frameworks and structure. It's, it's um, everybody on my team knows that I'm a very structured person. So having a synthesized overview of your roadmap with a clear, uh, we all know that roadmaps change all the time, that you oh, can't yeah. <laughs> commit to everything on, on top of your roadmap, but it's a great way for people to know what, what you're thinking. And at the current state in time, what is your future plan? So it helps to build the trigger. So anybody at any point in time in a different part of the business can take a look at your roadmap or your strategic plans and see how aligned they are and raise questions with you when they're uncertain. So I, I think between communicating broadly and sharing your plans and making it accessible, making it clear that you're not a, a walled guard or guarded within what you're doing as an individual team, but be very open and transparent about your work. And then having those spot relationships between different people. You don't have to have a relationship with everyone in the company, but you have a relationship with someone, they've got relationships with other people, and all of a sudden you've got your network of the entire business to be able to, to lean towards different individuals if you need to get something delivered or aligned or uh, even just to get feedback and um, gut checks on what you're thinking about prioritizing. Yeah, I think you're right. Like somewhere along the way, there's sort of been this like mental disconnect between people and business, but businesses are people at the end of the day. So I totally love what you just said. Uh, so I want to go like take a step back for a second. And I noticed that um, before you were working in product, you were actually in software development. What was that transition like for you? Was it like super smooth, just like slip right into product from software? Yeah, it's actually, it's a funny um 
the, the reason I went into software development was completely arbitrary in the sense that I had a business degree. I did a couple of programming courses on the side. And when I applied to my first job, I was applying to a consultant role. I, I really wanted to become a consultant when I came out of university. Uh, but because of my background and having a few computer science classes, the, the company recommended that I try uh, software development first because they very rightfully um, kind of informed me that understanding how software is built and really getting hands on it will help me then be able to shape my direction and to understand the implications when I'm doing consulting work in the future. So I very gradually, because it was my first job, you're going to say yes to it. You, you yeah. want to get in your career. So of course I said yes, grudgingly, but accepting that it, it, it's a step forward. I did software development. It was in the context of what's called the professional services department. So we had a platform in this company and I was responsible for then taking that platform and actually building the product on top of it specifically for each individual customer. And these are big enterprise customers that were asking uh, for this software. Within that first year of um, doing a number of different implementations, I probably did about 10 or 15, but by the 15th one, I actually had a playbook of all the things that need to get fixed in the platform that I was uh, leveraging in order to build my software. And it was kind of a, a, a rinse and repeat series of bug fixes, features and enhancements that I would layer in. And then I would start the actual work that was like the specific needs for that particular customer. Mm -hmm. um, so after a year, um, which was like kind of my agreement with that first company, uh, saying that I will be a software developer for a year as long as you give me the opportunity to move into consultant, consulting afterwards. So mm -hmm. on the day uh, after first year, I basically came to my, my boss at the time and said, all right, it's been a year, I'd like mm -hmm. to move to consulting. Uh, and they said, okay, you, you can. You, you can move to consulting if you want, we'll, we'll transition you into it. But there's also this thing that we're doing in our R&D organization. We don't really know what it is, but we've been hearing about this need for product management. We don't have a team on it, uh, but we're starting to build some building blocks around it. It might be something you're interested in. And so it was actually by complete uh, luck that at the time where I was trying to, you know, I got that exposure of software development, but wanting to change into something that was more business oriented, the company was looking to create product management. I moved into the role at the time. They, I didn't have a title for the first, I think, three or four months. So they didn't know what to call me. Eventually, we landed on a product specialist, just a very junior in my career, but I was starting to work on that product um, angle. And since I got exposed to that, it fit perfectly to what I was doing before with the implementation team, where I was, I was already extracting the commonalities that we needed to, to do to improve the product, to fix the defects that were already in the, in the platform. It, it just translated perfectly into that product support or product um, specialist role. And I basically never looked back from there. That's so funny how it sort of almost happened accidentally. Like it was just this melting pot of your talents. And then, oh, we don't really know what you are. So I guess we'll call you a product manager like, or a product specialist. Like, I love that it's, so, uh, it's such an, like an almost an organic role where it's just, it's what you're doing. And then, then you get the title. Um, so just actually, while we're on the topic of job titles, that's another thing that I wanted to ask you is because you're, you were a product specialist and you're now director of product. And I noticed you, you've also held the title of chief of product management. Um, and it gets me thinking, are, do all these titles actually mean something? Like is a chief of product management at one company doing the same as chief of product management at another? Or in your experience, were you doing something very similar as chief of product management to what you're doing as director of product? Or is there like a distinguishable difference there? There's definitely a difference. Uh, I can talk to it, but I think also to, to make it as a blanket statement, product management is different at every company, oh, right? Yeah. There's, there's kind of core um, aspects of product management that, that are the same, but how product management operates at every business 
or every company that I've worked with or I've talked to people at, there's a completely different profile. I mean, some companies call them program managers, but they are essentially product managers as well. Other ones, you might have a product marketing manager who's doing a lot of the product management work as well. Uh, so titles, I think, are, are a little bit fluid. You kind of have to dig a little bit deeper to understand what are the expectations of that particular role. I'd say the difference in what I was doing before as chief of product management, I was working as a director before I went into chief of product management. When I was working as a director, it was quite similar to what I'm doing now, just at a smaller scale. In that lens, I was working at a, a subcomponent of the bigger kind of platform that we were building within Lithion or within ADP. Uh, when I moved into chief of product management, my responsibility was really about looking at we, so, kind of taking a step back. We were building a completely new enterprise HR software. Uh, that was going to target um, human capital management solutions for enterprise customers across the world. It was going to be, or, and, and is in the process of becoming uh, ADP's next generation platform. So we're talking about all components of HDM from your core kind of organizational management system to apparel, benefits, time compliance, everything that you think about at HR was basically that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I moved into the chief of product management role, I was responsible for looking at where we are today with the size of the enterprise customers that we're targeting where we've committed to from our kind of strategic plans to the board of directors a year into out and what key initiatives do we need to start today to build the platform foundations in order to be able to actually hit those uh, those uh, commitments a year out so i was working on things like um, architecting and defining um, adp's engine for workflows and approval processes for authorization engines for kind of core eligibility engines and compensation management so a lot of these kind of big infrastructure projects I was probably working on about three to five um, at any given point in time, and in total probably worked around 25 of them during my time in that role. What was really unique about that role compared to kind of traditional product management is it was fully um, leadership through cross-functional management. What I mean by that is that I didn't have any direct reports. I had a dotted line for everybody in the product organization reporting to me, but I didn't actively manage anyone. My entire influence needed to be through um, kind of generally thought leadership across the organization. And I would have at any point in time, teams in a dotted line reporting up to me, I'd be driving the strategy behind that particular project, defining the vision, figuring out the MVP, doing the technical designs. So very much um, hands-on product work on big complex net new builds and mentoring the entire team to be able to get to that first MVP. And once we would launch the MVP, I would kind of take that group and hand it over to one of my peers who would be in a, a kind of VP or a director role at the time. Uh, and then they would take it and then they would grow it. And I'd be on to the next key infrastructure pieces and working with that new team. So I was pretty fluid across um, the, the whole different organization, working on the most complex and important projects for us to succeed in order to meet our kind of um, the key milestones that we set as a company. That's so interesting. So um, how how were you able to sort of guide the team if they weren't like directly reporting to you? Was it like, uh, I, I guess a lot of it was based on respect or if they respect you, they're going to listen to you. But was there anything else involved that sort of allowed you to have that influence without necessarily the full authority of being like a line manager? Yeah. Well, I mean, partially I was still in the senior leadership um, group, right? So I, yeah. it was still at a senior leadership level. So obviously I had influence on, on people's compensation performance and, all, mm -hmm. and the like, but more than anything, it was very much around influence and respect. You can't be a successful product manager if you don't have that. I mean, from step one, when you're a product uh, manager on a team, you know, even at the, the first um, level of your career, 
you don't manage the people that you work with. You lead through influence and you lead through passion and mind from that group towards the vision you're building. And it, 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 whether you're, you're again, a, a product manager who's working as a member of a team or whether you're a director of product or a VP or head of product at the company, you have the product group reporting to you, but you don't have the engineers. You don't have the, the go-to-market. Sometimes you do, but not always. You don't have UX. You don't have the whole company rallied. So you have to be the salesperson, the, the person who rallies and motivates everybody around it. Um, so it, was, it really wasn't any different than had I had all those people reporting to me. It made my job a little bit easier because I could really focus on the nutty problems um, to make those products a success without dealing with the day-to-day -day people management components, but rather focus on mentorship. Um, but beyond that, it wasn't really much influence because you, uh, there wasn't really much difference in uh, lack of influence because at, mm -hmm. at that point you've already matured in being able to kind of create that rally around the vision and, and strategy that you're building. It's such a fascinating part of product management that you don't tell people what to do. You have to suggest what they might like to do and hope that they agree with you. Um, so we couldn't record a podcast in 2020 and not talk about I'm waving my arms, 2020. Um, how has that impacted the way that you and your teams are working? As, like, what were the main challenges for you to overcome with just, you know, everything? Yeah, uh, so we've been at Shopify working remote since mid-March. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've actually announced that we won't be going back to the offices in the way that uh, we were traditionally. So we will most likely be moving forward with working from from home indefinitely and still figuring out when we will be getting together in an office environment for likely for specific workshops or, or sessions. But I think the hardest part we had, particularly as a product team, is because of that element of influence and rallying people around your vision, it's, it's harder, right? It's harder when you don't have the energy in the room to, to get people excited to kind of share your energy. It's harder to share that energy through a video call than it is in person. We luckily always do video. Every call at Shopify is a video call, so at least you do get to interact with individuals. Um, and you can you see it's always easier when you see that person than when it's just a, a voice on the other side. Uh, but that was probably the biggest challenge I had to um, bring my product team around. It's it's how do you still have that same um, wave of influence and excitement, and you share that to share that with the team to get them rallied around where you want to take the product. And I think the second that we're all still struggling with this, how do we do these workshops? Right. It's been, it was so much easier and we could all just sit down in a room, get in a whiteboard, lock the doors, you know, um, and just draw it out and hash out the problems and the differences and, and align together. Uh, we're trying out lots of different tools. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge slide, slide person, so I've, I've become a little bit of a slide master. So even when we're having conversations and we're just talking, I'll just start popping out slides and just start drawing things out as if you were whiteboarding. Um, on slides so that at least there's a visual to follow and that you, you might have a, a whole um, you know 30 or 40 slides after a conversation of complete junk but at least it helps guide the conversation towards an outcome uh, so I think what's been helping the team a lot is you know, I use slides other people use figmas to you know from UX wireframe components find your own thing that helps engage to, to help engage the conversation don't just have a chat where you're all staring at one another in a video call or even worse you're just uh, listening to each other's voices find a tool to bring you guys together and then push others to start kind of co-collaborating with you in that tool because that's the the closest you can get to having a collaborative workshop um, mm -hmm. what's great about that exercise though that you didn't have in my boards is that you actually already have a digital copy of all the stuff that you've been discussing versus before when you'd be taking pictures of um yeah <laughs> of the screen and then they end up like 
going into a folder or just sitting on your phone for ages and eventually you will start to mimic some of those into a digital format. Yeah, gone are the days of squinting at your phone trying to read what was written on a teeny post-it note and you're like, what do I even write there? Uh, I know at Product School we've been using the Miro whiteboards for our sort of yeah, collaborative brainstorming yeah. workshops and we've, we've really been liking that. But we have to be careful because I know that when I'm concentrating on a Miro board, someone is in the Zoom chat and they're taking a screenshot of all of our faces and putting silly hats on us and everything. But, you know, again, it's building personal connections, so uh, I suppose it's good for something. Um, so uh, we were just talking about sort of the teams facing problems, but I want to build off of that a little bit because I know that there are so many, uh, not just small businesses, but just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of uh, small businesses who have been impacted by everything that's going on and they're your customers as well. Um, are you having to sort of develop new ways to solve new problems for these customers? And could you tell us a little bit about how you're doing that for them? Yeah. So we're, um, Shopify is in a fortunate situation where we were an e-commerce platform. So we have the ability to help a lot of the businesses that really struggled through when, when, when COVID happened. Um, and so we actually did a hack days project across all of Shopify. We call it hack days, basically spend a few days, figure out what you could do within your business units to make things better for your merchants. I was especially focusing on our retail merchants or service merchants, people who had physical locations or provided services that you just couldn't, you couldn't do any more right? restaurants as well. Another great example. Uh, so we came up with a lot of different ideas across the board within Shopify, specifically with online. We did a lot of things just to help those merchants, uh, I would say, get through the hard times at the beginning of COVID and to help them adapt. We extended our free trial period for setting up your online store from two weeks to three months. Right? So we took the hit from ourselves, but we knew that that was the right thing to do for our merchant for customer pace. Uh, we brought in a bunch of features that were typically available only in more premium versions of our software to the basic versions of things like being able to leverage gift cards. Gift cards were a huge help for a lot of the merchants because when they couldn't provide their services, when they couldn't uh, manufacture their products, because uh, maybe it was an experience that you needed to have within a retail store, at least gift cards allowed customers to help support that brand through that particular period. Uh, we also created new um, quick experiences within the online store so that you can quickly get your business up to market, uh, especially for restaurants, for, again, services, uh, companies that aren't used to e-commerce that are just getting in, created the most streamlined, easiest experience for you to get online. And then again, you have that free trial as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we brought in Shopify Capital, not in my group, but in another area to help businesses who weren't able to pay their employees because they weren't making money to help bridge um, the gap and to get themselves set up to whatever it is that they needed to do or even just to support them during that three-month period. Uh, so we definitely, we basically looked at our roadmaps and um, we said, okay, pause everything, <laughs> take a look back. What is it that we can do to kind of pivot to be able to help our merchants today? Uh, that'll be more impactful than some of the projects we're working on. There's, there's projects that we obviously kept continued and didn't change because there's value for them irrespectively of what's happening in 2020. They, those, those things help put up our merchants today, they'll help our merchants tomorrow. But for, I would say, a good 50% of the team, we, we took a pause and then we, we pushed for quick features and, and um, fixes or kind of revisited our business uh, plan in order to be able to help them. I mean, another example is we, we were just about to launch our email marketing product and then COVID happened. Uh, so we decided to defer pricing. We, we made it a free product until October because we thought, well, my email marketing can actually really help people today to communicate. What are you doing about COVID? What should I expect from you from a store? If you're just launched your online store presence uh, because you're a retail business before, here's a template for how you can communicate that. 
Um, so again, just trying to think of what were the things that would be most impactful to our merchants at that point in time um, to help them essentially sustain their business. Because we were literally talking about companies surviving at this mm -hmm. point in time and what we can do to help them. Mm -hmm. how, did you, how did you sort of figure out what would be the most helpful? Was it a case of already knowing your customers so well that it was sort of, uh, of like digging into your own intuition of what you knew about your customers? Or did you have to put some effort in into asking them what would be the most helpful thing for you right now? Or was it a balance of the two? Yeah, I think also a big part of it was data. I mean, we, we can see what's happening with our merchant stores. We can see their sales decreasing. We also have a retail division at Shopify. So we, we, it was very prominent for us to see what's happening with our retail uh, businesses. And um, based on the ones that were most impacted, those are the ones that we said, okay, they, these are the businesses that we need to help get online as quick as possible. And then also just general, um, general data that was getting reported um, across the US, across North America that gave us indicators as to who's having the most um, negative impact from, um, from the situation. And then how do we actually focus on them and help them through the Shopify platform? Mm -hmm. That's really smart. Um, so uh, let's, let's move on to um, helping other people outside of uh, our customer bases. Well, I want to talk to you about what uh, product managers and people who are wanting to get into product can do where there, uh, especially this year where there's been a lot of recent college graduates who are sort of ready to dive into their, their new careers and uh, a lot of that's being put on hold at the moment. Uh, do you have any sort of words of advice for people who are looking to start their careers now, especially in product? Like what are some of the things they can do? Because networking is out the window. So what are the ways you would suggest that people can sort of break into product specifically now? Yeah, I guess there's, um, there's no clear cut answer. There wasn't one probably before. Um, and there's no clear cut one now either. Uh, I think there's probably still some ways you can network informally, obviously not in person, but um, joining local communities that still might have some kind of online sessions or even just um, connecting through people through that lens. But in terms of um, learning about product management specifically, there's no, like in my opinion, there's no clear cut one perfect profile of a product manager, all right? It really, to me, when I'm hiring somebody depends on what's the role I'm hiring for? What is the skill set of the peer leadership team? In the case of working in the trifecta, there's UX um, leaders and engineering leaders. What are their strengths? What am I trying to fill um, with this particular role that I'm hiring? Uh, and then what is the problem space that we're solving for? Are we solving for really complex, nutty problems that are very deep? Or is this a very horizontal problem that has a lot of different ways in which it can be solved, but there's, there's not a definitive answer and it requires more of kind of like an innovative strategy and um, a thought leadership in the space. So I think when, when I think about product managers who are going into the craft, uh, I would say get familiar with the different types of problems that product managers solve for, right? Um, in those examples where going really deep, I think about my checkout world, right? It's a very definitive answer. You've either charged the person correctly, you've taxed them correctly, and um, the transaction is complete. It's a blank and white yes or no, whether it was successful. To get to that state though, it's an extremely complex web of interdependencies and internal kind of infrastructures that we need to build out. Someone who would excel in that role is someone who really likes to go deep into a problem. And in fact, we can get quite technical in that space. Uh, versus if I think about our email marketing product, there is no, this is the right way to do email marketing, right? It's a subjective uh, product. It means that you need to define your own innovative positioning compared to the competitors in the market. Uh, so it's a different kind of uh, 
perspective and product. So I would say at one hand, think about kind of those two spectrums, which is the one that you think you're more specialized in, or you think you would be more successful in? Is it bringing structure to a very unstructured problem, or is it really going deep into a complex problem and understanding all of the kind of edge cases and complexities? Um, different personalities kind of fit better between those two, two spectrums, right? Uh, so if you can figure out that, then that already gives you a clearer lens as to what kind of roles you could be interested in. It also helps you position yourself as a strong candidate for, um, for one of those two lenses. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, new graduates coming out of college, right, you're, you're kind of uh, like dough in a way, right? <laughs> you can be molded based on the, the, ex the experiences that you get to become a, a specialized in one part of the craft or in another part of the craft. Uh, be, oh, I would say be open to the, the opportunities around you from a product perspective because every, every type of product challenge, and whether it's in technology or not, you still gain a lot of the core product management fundamentals. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's not a really easy or kind of clear-cut answer, but those would be some of the things I would recommend that you kind of think about a little bit from a product perspective. And, and in your interviews, your, uh, when you do get to a point of doing an interview, remember that it's just as much you validating if the fit is a good fit for you as it is for the company. And a big part of it is culture fit within the business, right? Understand how the manager thinks. Will the manager be there to mentor you? As a, as a, as a person entering that career, mentorship is so incredibly important. Is this a person that will actually help guide you and teach you kind of their ways of product management? And that, that, that's to me so key because it's through multiple different managers or leaders and learning their different frameworks, because we're all different, I thought you actually get to understand your own way of doing product management because we all do it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a key point for people to understand because in, in other professions, it's not quite as, um, the roles aren't quite as malleable, I guess. So you read, uh, you know that you're going for a specific job title and you hit up LinkedIn and you just apply, 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 apply. But in product management, you need to really focus in on what the people want from you as a product manager. So. Um, it might not be a clear cut answer, but I think that answer is, it's perfect. Um, so I'd like to end on a note of optimism since we've talked about 2020, a little hit of uh, optimism is always needed. Is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to or excited for in the future, whether that's in, in product, in tech, in your career, or just something in general that you think, yeah, that's, that's a bright spot in the future that I'm going towards? Ah, oh, that's a... It's an interesting question. I mean, there's there's lots of personal things like my daughter's growing up. I'm like really excited to see her get older and just see how how she develops and see which which, which traits of mind she actually has. Um, in the world of product craft, I mean, I, I've spent the first year at Shopify really building up my team. Uh, we had nowhere near the amount of product managers we needed to have to for the amount of engineers and um, and UX uh, designers developers. And the demand in the company for what it is that we needed to build. So a big part of it was just growth and building up the building blocks to make the team sustainable. Now kind of making that pivot towards being able to myself actually also focus on some of the really interesting problems. Uh, I'm definitely the type of person who vectors towards the get a product from zero to one. I find it so fascinating to do these deep infrastructure um, builds to kind of get to that first version of the product. I get less excited when we get to the from the five to a hundred. That's where I tend to hire product leaders that are uh, really great at, uh, on the growth of projects. Uh, so I guess where I'm really interested in is actually now at Shopify getting to, to really some of these really meaty infrastructures and, uh, and planting some seeds and really supporting the company 
build up into kind of the, the, the future generation of, of a lot of the online store components. Uh, that's kind of where, where my passion always is. And um, it's where, where the part of the job that I love by far the most. Is that yeah, interest in architecture that you had coming into play? <laughs> that's so exactly. fascinating. Uh, so I just have one more question for you and then I'll let you get back to your busy day. Um, before I ask, I want to just say thank you again so much for being here. I think this has been uh, super insightful and I think people are really going to uh, take away a lot from uh, what we've talked about. Uh, feel free to take a few seconds to think about the question. Everyone does. Uh, what is the greatest lesson product management has ever taught you? Yeah. It's a doozy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm going to almost flip that a little bit and then you'll tell me if I need to come up with another answer afterwards. But <laughs> you know, in terms of what is the greatest system product management taught me, I think it's actually the fact that from day one of myself having kind of my, my own personality, I was always a product manager. Um, in the way I acted as a child, in the way I grew up, in the way that I, I had little jars to allocate all of my different, um, like, my allowance got allocated into different jars, but the them were prioritized and I had a priority list of what I wanted to buy. Uh, to every time I was going on a vacation, I'd build literally a binder of all of those places that we wanted to go and see on our roadmap, um, or our roadmap, on our, our, on our road trip. Uh, thinking about actually the entire group of people and what they would be interested in versus what it is that I'm interested in seeing. And then having that we must absolutely see these things these would be nice to see if we happen to have extra time, maybe we should see this. This kind of prioritization of my entire life and planning has kind of just been the way that I've always operated. So I think the reason product management fit me so well was because it actually is my personality, that the things that you uh, succeed in in product are the things that I've kind of always lived at by principles my entire life. So it was such a great fit. I guess the realization from that is whether it's product or whether it's whatever discipline or, or job that makes sense for you, if you can find that fit, that alliance with who you are, your passions, your personality, what drives you with the job itself, you kind of don't need to worry about everything else because you're happy with what you do and success, um, kind of career growth and opportunity, it kind of comes with, with the fact that you, you're enjoying what you're doing. It, it's contagious right at that point. Uh, that's probably the biggest lesson. So the fact that if you are, if you choose the right job, if you choose the right career, um, the options are endless for you, but it also it doesn't matter because you just enjoy what you do on a day-to-day -day basis anyways. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com. <laughs>